Have you ever wondered what would be on your mind if you believed your time was short? About two and a half years ago, I had one of those times. At the end of a very long and painful day, I found myself on a gurney at the hospital getting ready to go in for surgery, and they really still didn't know what was going on in my insides. I lay there, and I looked up, and two beings looking back at me, my husband and Barbara Fletcher, and in that urgent moment, I just said to them, take care of my kids. It was amazing how all superfluous de detail just went to the wayside. There was very little on my mind. I was focused, and I said, not knowing what the outcome of surgery would be, take care of my kids. It's amazing the focus that can come to us if we believe or we know that time is short. And that's the focus that Jesus has in the Gospel of John when he and his disciples are spending Thursday evening together. Tomorrow, Jesus will die on the cross. But tonight, they're eating a meal. And Jesus is spending those final moments with his friends, talking with them about very important things. Tomorrow, the rest of their lives begin. And they need to know how to live without him physically present. Jesus was fully God. He knew everything there was to know about everything. But for the sake of his disciples, he boiled it down to that which was most critical. In John 14, verse 30, Jesus actually said to them, I don't have very much time left to talk to you. It's almost as if we can hear a drum roll and then the words that would come out of his mouth we know were of great importance to him. Jesus led them out of the upper room where they had had dinner and across the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he'll be arrested. But for now, he talks to them. And in John 15, he talks to them about how they will do life without him right there with them. Disciples being rightly related to God and disciples being in right relationship with each other. And he uses the analogy of a vine and branches. And in John chapter 15, which will be here on the screen behind me, Jesus speaks to his disciples. Verse 1, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus speaks to them of this necessary dependence on God. Something pretty simple to understand. Clumps of grapes don't grow up out of nowhere. They grow when the branches are clinging to the vine. Jesus knows that they need to understand how to have lives that are healthy, lives that bear fruit. And he describes himself in relationship to the Father. And he establishes this as the pattern for the disciples. It's described in these verses as remaining. Remaining would be the key to everything. When a person accepts Christ as Savior, a declaration of faith, maybe they pound a ribbon in the cross. What are they to do? Remain like a branch clinging to a vine. When a person comes to a difficult place in life, they face a struggle or a crisis, what are they to do? Remain like a branch to the vine. When a person buckles to the pressure of temptation and falls into sin, what are they to do? Cling like a branch to the vine. Jesus wants them to know that staying with him will be the key to everything in their lives. For grapes to grow, the branches must cling to the vine. The vine is the source of everything. The vine pulls nutrients from the soil. The vine sustains the branches during a time of drought. Whatever it is, the branch must remain connected to the vine. The vine is the only source for life. It brings all that the branches need. He has but hours left in his earthly life. And he, he speaks bluntly but lovingly. And in verse 5 he says, Apart from me... You can do nothing. Without Christ, a disciple becomes like a branch that's cut off and it withers. It dries up. It dies. But if the branch clings to the vine, lots of fruit will grow. Things like increasingly healthy relationships. Being able to endure hardships when they come. Working through and overcoming obstacles. Raising families, finding ways to bless others, sharing the gospel, doing anything of worth whatsoever. These things would only happen if the branch remains in the vine, if they would stay connected to Jesus. And he continues with them in verse 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So often, when you and I speak of love, we think of things esoteric, hearts and flowers. But here, Jesus explains to the disciples how to remain in his love, and it's by obeying his commandments in the way that he obeys his Father's commandments. The very pattern for how a disciple will relate with God is learned from watching how Jesus related to his father. It was like a branch clinging to a vine. 
And then he continues the analogy and begins to talk about how the branches are to relate with each other. And here he tells them the pattern for disciples doing life with each other can be learned by watching how he had related with them. Verse 11, we continue to hear from Jesus. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus first spoke to them about that necessary dependence on God. And now he speaks of a necessary interdependence that they're to have with each other. He tells them to love each other in the same way he's loved them. He uses the word friends. He calls them to be friends who would lay down their lives for each other. A stop what you're doing and care for someone else, life. A let people in so they'll really know who you are, life. A get to the finish line together, life. A serve one another, life. A let's be accountable to one another, life. The imagery of all these branches clinging to the vine is clear. Jesus had the intention that not one disciple would do life alone. His way was that they would do it together. And in verse 16, it's interesting, he reminds them, you didn't choose me, I chose you. At the time of John's gospel, it was customary that someone would approach a teacher and ask permission to learn from them. Maybe a young man would go to a particular rabbi and say, could I be your disciple? Could I sit at your feet? Jesus wants them to know that's not how they entered relationship with him. He sought them out. He chose them. He brought them together so that they would have an entirely new way of life. He chose them and appointed them to bear lasting fruit. There are eternal implications to these things he's talking about. Fruit that remains, not just plastic fruit in a bowl for decoration, but fruit that has all the life of the vine flowing through it. Just imagine clusters and clusters and clusters of beautiful grapes, and you and I are the very branches on which those grapes grow. Chosen by Jesus, you and me, to go and produce fruit together. Jesus gives the call to brotherly love here. It's a call to each one of us that although we are individual branches, that we would align ourselves with all the other branches and then together we would bear fruit. 
Consider maybe for some of the branches, the most difficult thing would be to let other people in. And then for other branches, maybe the most difficult thing would be to slow down and take time to stop and serve someone else. It isn't necessarily that this is the easy way or what comes most natural, but this is God's way. This is the way of Jesus. And now it's our way. Knowing that he has only hours left to live, Jesus takes these final opportunity to speak to his disciples words of the utmost importance. To the disciples who were with him last night, that on that night, and to us who are following after them. At Salem Alliance Church, we take these things very, very seriously. For decades, we have emphasized that every person needs to lean in and be connected. Leaning into a group provides for a lot of these vine and branch things to be worked out in our lives. Loving and honest environments, places where it's safe to be who we really are. Accountable relationships, growing in God's word and God's ways together, doing life together, learning as we go. We believe these things are so vital that we start offering small groups when a person reaches kindergarten age. And all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school, and every stage of adult life, we believe our church leaders have determined that the very best for you and me is that we would be connected to each other, like branches to the vine, and that being in a group is a powerful way for us to do that. I want to tell you about one kindergarten small group leader last year. His name is Toby Roth, and he's a student at Silverton High School. And he, he led on Saturday evenings a small group of five- and six-year-olds just downstairs here. And it's my understanding at the end of that school year, he was asked, would you continue and lead a group again? And Toby told them, I will if you'll let me move on to first grade with my group members. I know about this group because my daughter Sarah is in it. And for almost two years now, Toby has led Sarah and several of her peers week after week on Saturday evenings. And you might ask if it really matters in the lives of people that young. Does small group make a difference? I'm here to assure you that it does. This fall at my daughter's school, the kindergarten and first grade, were planning to have a pastor appreciation breakfast. And Sarah came home all excited because the kids had been instructed to invite their pastors. And I want you to know that never once did Sarah suggest she would invite Steve Fowler to this breakfast. And although Brian Candelo and his wife and their dog often walk by our house, and Sarah does love their dog, she never even toyed with inviting Brian to the breakfast. Some people found it amusing that never once did she think of inviting her mother to that breakfast. <laughs> Always from the beginning, Sarah said she was going to invite her pastor, Toby. 
And here's a picture of Sarah and her pastor at that breakfast. Dynamic things happen to us as people when we lean in with each other and cling like branches to the vine. It's important for young people. It's important in the lives of all of us, no matter what our age. It's key to our development as followers of Christ. Consider with me for a minute our church's mission statement. We exist to exalt Jesus Christ, become his fully devoted followers, and share his grace and truth with all people. Now, the first part of that mission statement, we exist to exalt Jesus Christ. When we gather for worship, we're doing that. When someone comes to the cross and makes a declaration of faith, they're doing that. And then the final portion of the mission statement, that we would share God's grace and truth with all people. That's when we become the mission, like Steve has been talking to us about. And this middle piece that we would become fully devoted followers that's what Jesus is addressing in John 15 how are we to remain how are we to become fully devoted followers it's when we're like branches that cling to the vine and at our church we have found that being in groups helps each and every one of us do that, to become a fully devoted follower. I've invited a few friends to come, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time having a conversation. I want you to learn from a variety of experiences that some from among us have been having. And while they come, I will quickly just introduce them. J.J., Laura and Robin. And the first question I want to ask all three of you, how did you come to Salem Alliance and how did you get in a group? Uh, I started coming here to Salem Alliance because I started dating the daughter of an elder and that was uh, <laughs> part of the deal. <laughs> After we got married though, we were both kind of seeking, she had grown up in the church here, a larger church. I had grown up in a little bit smaller churches and we were looking for that kind of small church experience. So we went to another church for a while and uh, as we were attending that church, I got involved in steps here at um, Sam Alliance. And my wife, after we had our son, got involved in Hearts at Home. And we found ourselves attending small group activities here at Sam Alliance much more than we attended service and realized that we found our small church. It was in the small groups. So we started joining at Sam Alliance. What about you, Laura? I've been attending here for about 10 years, and in that 10 years, um, primarily just been serving in different um, capacities and different ministries, with marriage ministry, with my husband, and different things, but never really took that step of getting involved in a group that was just kind of for me and my own spiritual growth and development. So a couple of years ago, I was approached by someone who was going to be starting a new women's Bible study group and asked me if I um, would like to be a part of that. And so for the last couple of years, I've been following along with the church study in my women's Bible study group on a weekly basis. Good. And Robin, what about you? My husband, Mike, and I started to attend Salem Alliance in July of 06. And as some people may understand, it can be pretty overwhelming to come to such a large church. And the Lord um, brought a friend of mine back into my life, Cheryl. 
and she invited us to foundations two months later. And so we started to attend. We said yes. Good. Just so you know, Foundations is a Wednesday evening group here that adults you can join at any time. And Rob Childs, our executive pastor, leads that. And Foundations is a group where we can lean in and just really focus on the foundational truths of the Bible and the Christian faith. So if you want to know more about that, you can learn about that or any of our groups in the lobby afterward. Next question for all three of you, what has your group meant to you? Um, for me, I, I joined the groups, some of it to get to know some people and to have some activities and um, learn how to better relate with others, but ultimately I started learning how to better relate um, with myself and really that was through learning how to relate to God and how Christ is relating to me and, and uh, ultimately that changed how I related to others um, as I kind of, I mean, uh, you know, used that experience of, of the, just uh, accepting God's love in my, in my life. Hmm. And Laura? Well, for me, my Bible study group has been very spiritually grounding. I tend to be someone who's um, kind of a freestyler when it comes to my spiritual life. I have a lot of different books going all at the same time, and I draw from different devotions and read from those scripture references, but I've never really been one to dig into just focused Bible study. Um, and especially the book of Leviticus, I probably wouldn't have gone there on my own. Um, so it took a group of supportive women to get me through that one. And for us to be able to do that in the context of a group, we were actually able to have a lot of laughs and um, share a lot of different perspectives. And um, it just, it was so enriching and grounding. And it really helped for the first time for me um, for the Old Testament to come to life and to really apply to my life and to see that it is relevant. It's not just a collection of old stories, some which are really weird and some which are really inspiring. It actually sets the stage for our relationship with God. Hmm. And Robin, what, has found, what, what did foundations mean to you? Well, initially, um, it meant that we started to meet people and we started feeling a sense of belonging and there was fun involved and there were games involved and we got to meet pa the pastors and kind of see their side of just their fun um, and we started to get to know our small group personally but then it grew from that and there were a lot of questions that all of us had about our faith some of them very confusing some of them confusing because of what the culture has taught us or our past mm -hmm. lives have taught us, and it was a very safe place to be able to say, I don't get this, and not feel stupid. Mm -hmm. um, and that people that we grew to trust would be able to share with us what about our confusions. And I began, and my husband began to grow deeper into the word, and that led me to truly get it, that Jesus loved me. So it meant the world to me. Hmm, great. Now, JJ, just for you, how are you a different person because of your group experience? Um, yeah, well, so as I learned to um, basically understand my relationship with, with God and Christ and um, this other word that always floated around that was kind of, on a, you know, unapproachable, which is that word witness that I hear a lot and realized for me what, what, what witnessing was was just being able to lay down, be able to trust others and share my life experiences with others. And uh, that is going as far as not just with my spouse and with my son, but also with coworkers and people in my small groups. And ultimately, as I share my experience, I'm realizing that I'm, I'm, I'm sharing 
how my relationship is with, with, with God and how God loves me and then being able to love others and treat people. You can almost use, you hear that, you know, ser the servant leadership kind of through the household and through work and stuff. So. Nice. Laura, were there any hindrances or obstacles for you in terms of coming to the group you described? Actually, yeah, there was, um, I had just come off of being in a small group and it was a small group of friends that we'd gotten together on a semi-regular basis to kind of share our lives together. Um, but something arose within that group um, that ended up being pretty hurtful. And as a group, we handled it really poorly. And it ended up fracturing friendships and being kind of a painful situation that took a long time to resolve and for relationships to heal. And when I was approached to ask and asked to be in um, the Bible study group, I was kind of fresh and raw in that place of not really ready to risk it again in a way. Um, and so my flesh wanted to retreat and go to my safe place of just doing my own thing and taking care of myself and my own relationship with the Lord. But there was, I just felt like that timing probably was perfect, even though it didn't feel so perfect. And um, God really met me in um, the opportunity and by saying yes, that um, as a result of moving forward into that opportunity to be a part of the Bible study, there was a lot of healing and um, really understanding what um, a a good, solid, um, grounded group um, is all about. Hmm. Robin, how has Foundations impacted you as you minister? As Foundations ended in 2008, um, I attended a meeting here at Salem Alliance regarding the Salem Free Clinic. And my employment was starting to wind, up, wind down. And so uh, in that meeting, I clearly heard from the Lord, this is the next this is the next step, let's go. So I put that name down on that piece of paper and I felt it go and I was at the clinic next week. Um, I have, um, I, at the time I was thinking to myself, gee, I, I've got lots of nursing skills and knowledges to bring to this. But what, I, what foundations gave to me was a foundation in my faith that I didn't really have a lot of confidence in as far as myself offering uh, the gospel to someone else or to just be able to share the truth that I've learned from the word. And uh, I never wanted to give the wrong information. I was always worried that I would say something that really wasn't biblical. So foundation really helped me get a confidence in being able to share more. And so at the clinic, I get to love and serve on our patients and um, bring hopefully a little of that hope of Christ to the mm. clinic. Great, mm -hmm. great. Final question for each one of you. What's one thing you would say to encourage someone who isn't in a group, maybe they are considering joining a group? What's one thing from your experience that you would tell them? I would say not to be afraid of being in a group of people who are different than you. Um, if I would have been in a group of people all the same as me, I'd still be sitting in Leviticus chapter one. <laughs> and um, it's been so great to be a part of a group where God has given us different backgrounds. We're in different stages of life. We have different life experiences. We have different ways of connecting with God. And that has been um, so enriching um, to be able to draw from the ways God has gifted all of us um, to just expand that experience. And um, so that fear of, oh no, what if they're not like me? What if they don't like me? I don't like, it's, it's such a great place to come and um, all of those gifts to be, um, to be used. 
Um, yeah, for me, my, my analogy has been growing, but I would, right before I joined a group, I had my expectations of what I was going to offer the group, whether it's the new brownie recipe or trip to the beach or whatever. And then what I expected to receive, new, new relationships, you know, better understanding, and then um, what I was fearing, fear of rejection and stuff. And all those things changed because God revealed in those groups, through those experiences, things that I would not have experienced, things that someone gave me, knowledge of bits, ways that God spoke through others to me, ways that I helped people that I didn't think I would be able to help people in that way. And um, the risk and fears that I had were different because the fears were really just understanding myself and understanding God more. And that's, that's probably, for me, was the scariest, but has become the most comfortable. Great. And Robin, what about you? Well, um... <clears throat> What came from the foundation's experience, again, was a, a deeper relationship with Christ. But also from foundations came a couple lifetime friendships and certainly a eternal friendship with Jesus. So I'm incredibly grateful to foundations. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. If you're a grade schooler or a teen, contact the department over your age group if you would like to learn more about getting into a group that will launch here just in the next couple of weeks and you can get going and be part of it. And adults, um, you can look at the back of the bulletin or you can go to the group life desk out in the lobby just this morning even and you can find out how to join a group and get started in the new year um, leaning in more fully to life here at Salem Alliance. To close, I, I want to assure you that it's not just other people who are learning and growing in groups, but it's me too. This past summer, I remarked to a couple of the gals in my small group Bible study that I sensed God was calling me to be more vulnerable in the group. And I even felt that somehow it would have to do with my children. And um, some of the things I've learned this fall, I have shared prayer requests more openly. But something really neat, really powerful to me personally, just a few weeks ago, my two sons were in huge need of some pretty intense speech therapy evaluations, and um, my husband and I had been looking and praying and searching for just the right therapist, and we found her, and um, pretty quickly, four hours that was needed in, opened up in her schedule, and she could see our boys. Well, my husband is a great guy, and he gets to almost every kid appointment, but this was at a very bad time for him at work, and it just wasn't the best for him to come away and go to to those appointments. So I took this need to my group and I felt pretty vulnerable about it, but I just presented that I needed someone that could spend most of a day with me and my boys. And the newest member of the group who had just joined in October was free on Tuesday afternoons and she came and went with me. We went to Newburgh to where the speech therapist was and I took the first boy in and she kept the other and drove around playing Christmas music on the CD player, stopped at a playground, let him get out and swing, came back an hour and a half later, we switched boys and we did the same thing. 
And driving home that afternoon, I was just truly amazed at what a gift she from my small group had been to me and my family. I mean, it advanced the cause of our family. And in a weird way, what I hadn't realized before, but I realized after, was that it blessed her. She had moved to Oregon from another state just this past summer. She's new to the church. She's new to the group. And somehow for her to bless another family was a great gift to her. And what I realized that day at the speech therapist was that my friend from small group and I were like two branches clinging to the same vine. And right there that afternoon, it was like some grapes grew. There was fruit in both of our lives. If you would stand, I'd love to pray for you as we close. Lord Jesus, we finish up here the same way we began, that we are in awe of your love for us. How great are your affections toward us. I want to pray for every man and woman, boy and girl who are here, and I ask that you will lead and guide them. I ask that you will engrave on their hearts these truths of the vine and the branches. For those who are already in groups, will you show them if there are next steps for them like there were for me? And for those who are not yet in groups, would you speak to them if that is something you want for them? And Lord, I ask that you will bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them and give them peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.